This is an AMI podcast. Reality was starting to set in, and I seriously was wondering if I would never get to see anything ever again. Becky Zarr shares her personal experiences as a healthcare provider and young mom with total vision loss. I remember saying to her, Mom, I'm not strong enough. I had hit my rock bottom. My mom replied back to me, You can do this because you have a little boy who needs you. The Blind Reality. New episodes every second Tuesday of the month. Download this AMI podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Outdoors with me, Lawrence Gunther. Hey, there's a little crisp in the air, but you know, the lakes haven't frozen yet, so we're out here in the canoe still, enjoying this uh, beautiful morning. We've got some interesting stuff in store for you folks, so hang on, we're going to do some Yale University educating with Miss Lily, and I'll let her surprise you with that topic. Then we've got uh, a bucket list guy from London, England, calling London. And I'll leave that as a surprise too, but he's a big fan of Canada and he's going to talk about his favorite bucket list places to go in Canada. Then back on the tips, we're going to talk a whole mess of things that have to do with spinning wheels. So uh, hang on to your handlebars, folks. Here we go. I'll meet you back at the campsite. Getting schooled with Miss Lily. Lily, what's going on? What do you got for us? So, from Yale University's Office of Sustainability... Oh, this must be good. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Here are seven tips to start cycling on a bicycle. Oh, bicycle tips. Yeah. All right, okay. So, bicycling is a great way to... A great low-carbon way to get around. Yes. It's a great way to exercise, and it's more popular than ever. It is. It's growing, yeah. There are some tips from Yale University, but I'm counting on you to bring the blind tandem perspective. Yes, the blind tandem perspective. You count on me. No problem. I've got (laughs) lots of hideous, gory tandem stories. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Only a few. So, tip number one is to start small. Exploring your neighborhood to get a feel for riding. Find a friend to go with you. Make a goal to ride once per week. Remember to bring lots of water and snacks for longer rides. I like that idea, yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't don't bite off more than you can chew. No. Tip number two is to plan your route. Yeah? Before heading out, map your route ahead of time. Go when there will be, like, less vehicles or even other bikes. Build confidence before tackling bigger trips. And con- consider where you will take breaks or if you will need to lock up your bike. You know, the brake thing is really important. You want to have you want to have sort of a midterm goal. So like, hey, we're going to go there. We're going to have a little picnic. We're going to have a stretch. And then we're going to come back well, around yeah, a different if you, have, if you have a goal, it makes it more interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tip number three is to know the rules. Be safe. Rules for biking, like, they vary between city and city. In most cities, it's illegal to bike on the sidewalk. Consider taking a bike skill course in your community if you're not comfortable enough. I think people need to understand, too, that there's bike paths and there's shared paths. Yeah. And when there's shared paths, and I know this because I was vice chair of our city's, you know, pedestrian and advisory uh, transit committee. Mm-hmm. And uh, shared paths means they're, they're shared between all modes of transportation except for cars. But, you know, scooters, wheelchairs, walkers, yeah, so. uh, strollers, and bicycles. But the pedestrians have the right of way. When you're on a pure bike path, then the pedestrians have to sort of, Move give side, way, yeah, yeah. give way to, for the bikes for sure. We saw that in Stanley Park in, in British Columbia, man. Those bike paths there 
you you could risk your life crossing one of those things if you're not careful for sure just from the bikes going so fast well helmets are also required by law in many areas but regardless you should always wear one yeah consider adding lights on the front and back of your bike and a mirror on the left hand side of your bike handbar if if riding at night invest in a light reflective vest avoid using headphones during rides as it can impact your ability to hear vehicles is everyone hearing this do not wear headphones when you're riding around on your bike. Or you know? transparency mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the transparency mode, one thing, but not the noise-canceling ones. Yeah, don't wear those. <laughs> yeah, you need to hear what's coming up behind you. Also, to invest in a good lock, find out local laws for when you can legally lock your bike. Find a safe place to store your bike that also makes it easy for you to grab and go. And you don't want to get your bike stolen. No, no, that's expensive. It's a big expense yeah. and you'll never see it again, yeah. that's for sure. Find the right bike for you. Mm-hmm. A bike... A bike of knocking around town does not have to cost a ton of money. You can get a used bike online or a starter bike. Support your local bike shop or co-op. Well, we did that. Like, I I bought that 1957 tandem bike off off an elderly blind lady, right? And she had no more use for it. So we brought it to Psycho's. Psycho's this uh, little bike shop around the corner. And they stripped it down and painted it. It's now beautiful blue. blue. It's called. It's, we call it Bluebird. Blue. A 1957 authentic, authentic three-speed tandem bicycle. It's so cool. Yeah, just make sure to keep it well-tuned and in good repair. Check the ABCs, air, brakes, and chain before riding. And with mine, you check that back left pedal that has a tendency of falling off once in a while. But, yeah. Hey, what can you do? It's old. Um, tip number five is to accessorize. Instead of a backpack for transporting items, yeah. add a rack or a basket. I like that. If you're thinking about making biking a family activity, enclosed trailers and single occupant children bike seats are options. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. You know, my brother, he did a tandem bike trip with his girlfriend this summer, and they had a trailer behind the tandem bike, and he said that with that trailer and everything in it, it weighed 80 pounds. That's about about 35 kilos. So they, they took that with their tent and their sleeping bags and their food kit, you know, and some water. They had everything they needed. And they went all the way, I think, Gananoque way to Quebec City and yeah, back, cool. and then back to Montreal, and then they took a train home. So tip number six is support biking in your community. Follow yes. local biking groups on social media mm-hmm. and join them for group rides. Advocates for more biking infrastructure like protected bike lanes. Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of larger communities, they have tandem bike clubs, of low vision blind tandem bike clubs. I know um, that's how your mom and I got our start on tandem bikes. We joined the club and and got uh, got some lessons on tandem biking and, and got the bug. Oh, yeah, because a whole bike load of blind people bike, that's a great idea. Well, they're normally society. on the back. They're, they're the motors on the engines in the back, right? And the sighted guides are in the front, so it's not two blind people on a tandem bike. <laughs> that would be so bad. <laughs> okay, so the last tip is to have fun. Biking yeah. offers a world of freedom. Remember, choosing to bike does not mean you have to do it every day or in all seasons. No, you can't. Not in be, winter. <laughs> no, don't feel guilty if you have a bike and you don't take it out every weekend. You know, it's there. It's something to look forward to, not something to feel guilty about. I totally get what you're saying on that for sure. Yeah, you don't want to feel, it's like, oh, man, I wish I could take my bike out. I'm not using it all summer. So when are we going tandem biking? Mm, Never. Yeah, you said that before. Come on. It's not going to happen. Oh, come on. You can take your dog on the tandem bike. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 220 pounds. And uh, well, how, how how much does Theo weigh? 140 pounds? Uh, Theo does not weigh 140 no, pounds. 120? That's our... 105, maybe. L- Lily's little brother. 
So I, I want to put him on the front of the tandem bike. But, you know, if you don't have a lot of weight and you're in the front and you try to turn, normally when you turn a bike, you want to lean into the corner. you got a big person on, behind, on the bike behind you. You go to lean, that bike doesn't lean. It still stays straight up. So turning can be a little bit scary if you don't have the weight to throw the bike over to put it into that lean on those turns. Otherwise, you're, you feel like you're, you can't turn and it can be quite a bit intimidating. So you want to have that weight uh, ratio, the size ratio, I think, between the front back and the back biker. You have to have, be able to, the person on the front has to be able to turn the bike, for sure. Well, yeah, you don't want to tip, do you? You don't want to go straight when you need to turn. You don't want to, you don't want to pull an accidental wheelie. <laughs> but you could do it. I'm not doing it. You're big enough. Not You're five foot ten now. Not happening. Uh, not riding that bike with you, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> all right. All right. Next prick. Thanks, Lily. <laughs> Bye. Time for the bucket list. Iron Maiden in the UK might be one of the most epic heavy metal rock groups in the world. Over the last 45 years, the band has sold over 100 million records. They're due to release a new record this November 20th called Knights of the Dead, Legacy of the Beast, recorded live in Mexico City. It came about following their cancelling their 2020 tour due to the pandemic. Adrian Smith, Iron Maiden's lead guitarist for 30 of the last 45 years and self-professed compulsive angler, has also been keeping busy over the past year writing a book, Monsters of River and Rock. We're talking to Adrian Smith. You've been to Canada fishing a few times. You mentioned a bunch of fishing trips to, uh, to Canada. What, what did you like about uh, the St. Lawrence River? You met, you were fishing for smallmouth bass. Tell us about that a bit. My wife's actually from uh, Montreal. Uh, she grew up on a place called Nuns Island. And her father, up until recently, lived there. So we used to go and visit him. And again, you know, when we had some time off, I'd uh, spend a bit of time on the St. Lawrence. My brother-in-law actually introduced me to uh, smallmouth bass fishing using uh, sort of poppers and that, which was amazing. I mean, St. Lawrence is an incredible river. It's got so many different kinds of fish, and uh, it's very interesting. So uh, I'd like to explore that a bit more, but I had fun there. I also spent um, time up in Kamloops in the 80s, uh, um, fly fishing for trout. I used to go up there on a float you know, on a float plane, go up to a lodge and stay there. I think I stayed there for about a month once. I didn't want to come home. Nice. Fantastic place, Canada. What a, what a fishing paradise it is. It really is. Uh, I, we really are lucky. And, I, and I'm not far from the St. Lawrence myself, but I, I know what you like. Uh, I mean, it, you get down there and it's like you're on a lake at some points. It's just so vast and huge and, and the species are yeah. extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. There's so much variety there. And the smallmouth are giants, right? I mean, they are such hard fighting fish. When we were uh, we played in Toronto, um, we do a gig right on, the, uh, right on the lake there. Yeah. And I went down and did a little sound check for myself and then uh, got out of my uh, spinny rod. Of course, there were a lot of fans around, so I had a snoot pulled up over my face because it's a very hot day, and then my sunglasses and a, and a baseball cap, and I was just walking down the lake in amongst all the maiden fans fishing away. <laughs> no, you know who I was. Anything. You know, we try to keep that fishing access open along the lake shore. There, it's not always successful. We do have some incidents where uh, police have cracked down on fishing along there, but. Uh, We've, we've managed to work out a sort of equilibrium with the justice to let people fish because it's important. I think as long as people are sensible, you know, I think boat owners get a bit upset when, you, you know, they, they come out there and there's all laws all stuck all over their um, 
boat covers where you've been trying to cast under the boats and that. Yeah. The harbours around the uh, around the lakes there are fantastic at certain times of the year for um, for smallmouth bass and and largemouth, I suppose. And pike. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can just spend a couple of hours just just roving along there with a with a lure rod. It's good fun. And Red River catfish on the Red River out of Winnipeg. I've seen programs about it, but the last few few times we've been through Winnipeg, we haven't stayed overnight. We've just touched down, done the show, and then took off. So that's one of my uh, ambitions is to, next time we go to Winnipeg, is maybe spend the night and do a bit of catfishing there. Yeah. But you did catch a, a, a mighty sturgeon in the Fraser. Yeah, went out with a guide. That, the, the story of that's in the book. Um, that was a day off in Vancouver. And I, I, again, I'd seen... I've seen programs about the Fraser River and amazing uh, fishing for the sturgeon and these huge fish. Uh, and I did get a guide on that occasion who had a, a jet boat, which I was pretty surprised about. And uh, it was a young guy, and he, he was blasting uh, ACDC and Black Sabbath all the way to the fishing spot, you know. And I thought, I want to pay off. I, I want to give my ears a rest, you know. But uh, <laughs> we were speeding along in this jet boat. We finally turned the music down and we, we managed to catch a couple of big stirs. And I say we, I really didn't do much. I mean, that's the thing about a guide. While you will more likely have success, you don't really, uh, you don't really, he's not really hands-on. I mean, he rigged the rods up. They were all his rods. He knew what to do. He knew the spot. So that kind of takes it out. But when you've only got a day, um, you know, you need to, to zero in on it. And that's where a guy comes in. I didn't have the time to explore on my own. Also, with sturgeon, I think big sturgeon, it's really a team effort because they are so big. You know, you need at least two of you to, to handle one, you know, to get a big one. So, so it's only fair to fish, you know. A 100-pound sturgeon, you know, it's, that's a huge fish anywhere you go in the world, for sure. I remember catching some like a, just a meter long down in the Fraser River, and I thought, those almost broke my arms. I mean, they fight so hard. And then I'm thinking, how do people pull in these 1,000-pound fish? It's just, you hear once once or twice a year, these monsters coming out of the river there, and I, there is no way I could do that. Oh, no, it's, it's uh, incredible, these, the size. And, they're, you know, they get to be very, very old, these fish. Um, I'm not sure a lot of catch a fish that big. It turns into sort of big game hunting, you know. Yeah. It's not so much the size of the, the fish that's the, the satisfying thing to me. It's the process you go through, how difficult are they to catch, uh, how difficult are they to, to find even, you know, so uh, that, mind you, that usually goes, in, you know, the, hard, the larger the fish, the rarer they are and the harder they are to catch sometimes. We've got tremendous carp fishing, Adrian, right here on the St. Lawrence River, so the next time you're back, I don't yeah. know if you've tried that, but up here, uh, up above Cornwall, above the dams there in, in the places... We, you know, in the St. Lawrence Lake, we call it, or Long Sioux Parkway, some of the carp fishing is just extraordinary. If you're not catching a fish every 15 minutes, something's wrong. You've got a hook yeah. bait or something. It's just extraordinary. I've seen films of it. Yeah, I've seen films. I don't think I've caught a St. Lawrence carp Yeah, I always fish it. Because I, I never have uh, all my gear with me. I just have a, usually have a little spinning rod in Canada. But I'd love to try the carp fishing, sure. There's a there's a tackle shop owner there in uh, in the UK in London, Jeff Vaughn. He used to do be an outfitter here. He he bought a motel on Long Sioux on the St Lawrence River, and he'd bring in uh, English people and put them up in the motel, him and his wife, and they'd take them fishing. And he taught me how to carp fish. 
he still comes over. He sold yeah. the motel, but he still comes over every spring for uh, a couple weeks of carp fishing, and he swears uh, the St. Lawrence is the best carp fishing in the world. The amount, the sheer amount of fish there is uh, is quite incredible. You've had a 40-year career in, in rock and roll, 30 of that with Iron Maiden. Do you contribute uh, fishing as keeping your head above water, keeping you centered, keeping you sort of on track? Has that been helpful in terms of keeping your health, uh, mental, physical health? 100%. 100%. We, we toured a lot in it. We were always on the road in the 80s or, or in the studio. And it was, you know, it was fun, but there's a lot of pressure, a lot of temptation. And um, I think fishing definitely helped to balance me out. Monsters of River and Rock. It's, a, it's an e-book. It's a hardcover book. And it definitely it's a book about fishing with a bit of rock sprinkled in here and there. But you are a fisherman through and through. There's no doubt about it just talking to you now. And there you are fishing yourself. Hey, I've got seven uh, quick-fire <laughs> questions for you. Just some uh, so quick-fire responses. So uh, one lure, if you had to have one bait, fresh or, or artificial, what would it be? A bait or oh, a worm, of course. It would be a worm, eh? A worm. Yeah. yeah, you can't go wrong with a, with a good old worm. That's, they're good for a lot of things, that's for sure. Big old fat worm, yeah. Your favorite fishing technique? Favorite fishing. I love uh, bonefish, um, fly fishing for bonefish. That's got to be one of my favorite. That's got to be the, one That's of the hardest, fun. too. That's so not easy to do. Yeah, it can be. It can be. You have to, you know, get in the right position. You have to locate the fish. You have to, you know, it's you're fishing in the hot sun. Quite often it's windy. The fish are very spooky. But, you know, when you get one, man, it's just a real rush. They're so, they're so incredible fish. They're so powerful. What's your fishing fantasy? Uh, probably having my own lake or my own piece of river. So I'm kind of looking into that right now. I think b- before I kick the bucket, uh, I want to have, uh, when I'm an old man, I just want to be able to go down into my garden and just fish off the edge of my uh, my own dock. I think that's my fantasy. Fishing alone or in groups? Which do you prefer? I think alone. You get, you get into the meditation side of it and get away from everything if there was one fishing buddy that you could go fishing with who would it be a, another musician is there someone in mind that you'd love to go fishing with that you've heard of uh well there was a guy here who was um a tv guy john wilson he traveled all over the world fishing uh my tv program you know he inspired a lot of people to go fishing it would have been interesting to uh, spend some time with him a guy called john wilson nice and last question where do you want to retire? You mentioned about buying a, a little stretch of river or a, a lake. Do you have somewhere in mind? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, River Thames in England is uh, that's the river now that's really coming into its own. It's it's growing uh, monsters of, of uh, carp, barbel, chub. Uh, these these uh, kind of fish we have here, and um, it's it, you know it's it's relatively uh, unexplored. Uh, so. Um, I think that's the that's the, the, the place I'd like to spend uh, more time on. Nice. River Thames. Yeah, nice. That's great that river's coming back. Uh, that's fantastic. Cause you're right in London there. The Upper Thames has always been okay in the middle, but once once it got into London, it was just like a sewer. So it's much better now. Yeah. Hey, man. Uh, thanks for doing this, Adrian. I really appreciate it. Nice talking to you. Yeah, thanks, Adrian. Nice talking to you, too. And uh, good luck fishing today. Cheers. Outdoor tips and tech. <laughs> You know, I mentioned to Lily about my bluebird 
1957 CCM tandem bike I bought about 10 years ago and had all refurbished. Original hand grips, original seats, original pedals. I think the tires are new. The brakes have been uh, still the same. The only thing I couldn't find was a uh, gear shift cable that would reach the front handlebars. So I told them at the bike shop, I said, put the gear shift on the rear handlebars because that's where I sit and gives me something else to do besides pedal. I work the gears now. The brakes are on the front handlebars where they belong. Uh, no one would allow me to put the brakes on the back handlebars for obvious reasons. You know, having that uh, having that bike is just so much fun. It's a freedom. But again, you know, you, having someone that's equivalent to your weight is so important if you go tandem biking. You really need to have someone on the front of that bike that can throw their weight around and get that bike into a lean when you're going around corners. Otherwise, going around corners gets really scary really fast. There's a few other things you need to know about tandem biking, like taking off, you know, getting that upper foot into the upper position and your lower foot down on the lower position so everyone's in sync and then pushing off on three so you're pushing down at the same time because you got to get some momentum going if you're going to get two people up on a bike and balanced it takes a bit of a group effort for sure you know and helmets you cannot go without helmets but the most important thing is you know the size like i'm six foot three my wife is five foot four so she has her seat down a little lower. I mean, when you pedal, you want your legs to be almost perfectly stretched out when your foot is in the bottom position, but not totally stretched out. You want to have a tiny bit of bend in your knee so you don't get sore knees, which means the seat height is really crucial. So her seat's not up that high. And my handlebar is connected to her seat post. So my seat is up high, right? So you're, are you getting the picture here? I'm sitting up high. She's sitting down lower. My handlebars can't go any higher. So I'm bent over. Now, you're saying, well, that, what's the problem with that? You're in a racing position. Well, if you're bent over, your head is pointed forward, not up. So now your head is pointed right into the front person's back. And uh, every time you hit a bump or you do something, or you've got to hold your head up in an unnatural position so you don't bang them in the back with your head and your helmet, because you're wearing this helmet, so now your head is even longer and bigger. To take care of that, you can get handlebar extensions at bike shops for this exact reason. So if you're having trouble getting this thing all set up right for you, get that handlebar extension, get the seat extension, get whatever you need to make sure the person on the front and the person on the back are feeling comfortable. I, I did a little bit of reading on tandem biking and how couples do it. And it's always inevitably the big guy on the front and the smaller wife on the back. And I asked my brother, why is that? And I said, you ever let your girl drive? And I thought, well, you know, is there any sexist or what? No, he said, no. He said he did. And she didn't like it. She said she had a hard term. She's not a big girl. And she had a hard term again, you know, getting that bike to lean over and turn. So she doesn't like sitting on the front. She likes to sit on the back. And, and that's what you see most often when there's a big person, little person, that big person's at the front steering, leaning that bike into the turns, you know, physically moving that bike around with their body. But if you have a blindsided combination, it doesn't always work that way. The blind person has to be at the back. So you need to really learn to work together. And I do lean. Like when I feel my uh, pilot, because the pilot's in the front, when I feel them leaning or they tell me we're going to the left turn, I will get into a left turn position with my body and help that bike lean over. So I'm not fighting it. I'm helping it. It's, it's a really important way to make sure everyone's comfortable and feeling good about the ride. And you're not, you know, arriving somewhere and they've got white knuckles. You know, they're not enjoying themselves at all. You, you really want to avoid that. 
you know, one of the things we're looking into is uh, these electric bike motors that you can add to your bicycle for a boost. It's not turning the bicycle into a motorbike. It's giving a 20, 30, 50% boost. You can set that. There's a gauge. There's, some, there's a little lever that you put on your handlebars with a little display. It's not accessible, of course. But then, you know, the person on the front of the bike can probably see that anyways. So accessibility is not the hugest issue. What it does, though, and you see a lot of this with couples going to Europe and doing a seven-day bicycle trip with a group of friends across Spain or Portugal, that the, the couples that rented the bikes with the electric motors, they did more little offshoots, right? They said, what's down this road? And they went and had a look. Instead of the ones that were just self-propelled 100%, they just said, I just want to get to our destination tonight and and relax because, you know, it's all up to them and their legs and uh, no power assist. So you can set that power assist for just 20% the whole time. That means you're using 20% less energy. And when you're going up hills, you can give it a little boost to 30, 40 to get you up that hill. So you're not killing yourselves on the hills. It makes for a long day of riding much nicer. I mean, if you're just going for an hour ride, uh, you know, out of your garage, doing a little trip around the neighborhood on a Sunday afternoon with the family, probably not worth the investment, you know, of the $1,000, $1,500 for that electric assist motor with the built-in NICAD battery and the display and all that. I mean, these things are at 2.2 kilos. You can get one of these Shimano new, totally silent electric motors. It mounts on the front of your bike and uh, and just pops on there and, and boom, gives you that assist. So cool. I, I, I want one. But again, you know, if you're going to make the investment, you better be planning on doing some long-haul biking. Last thing I want to mention is if you're going to do some racing, and I do some triathlons, well, half triathlons, right? So half triathlon, it's always the same order. 750-meter swim, a 21-kilometer bike ride, followed by a 5-kilometer foot race. So when you're riding your bike, one thing I learned from the experts is you use toe clips or you use cages on your pedal. Because if you're pedaling by pushing and pulling towards you with your pedals and your legs... Those are the same muscles you're using for running. So what you want to do on the bicycle is you want to put your foot into that cage or that basket. You want to lift the pedal up and push it forward. Those are using different muscles than your running muscles. So when you're getting off your bike, your legs are tired, but they're tired just the certain muscles, your bicycle muscles are tired. Then when you hit the ground to do that last 5K run, you've still got those fresh running muscles that you haven't burnt out on the bicycle. So think of that, guys. Think of toe clips. I'm not a big fan of the clip-in pedals. You know, I like to be able to get my foot on the ground in, a, in an instant if I need to, and a clip-in is, it takes a little more sort of dexterity. But the baskets, you slide your foot in, you slide your foot out. Once you slide it in, you can lift and push that pedal forward with your foot and your leg. You know, you can train like that too. If you get a, a trainer, you go into the gym and you're training on bikes, they all have those baskets for your foot pedals for training exactly that way. I do it at home. I ride my bike at home, my stationary bike with the with the baskets on the pedal. So I'm lifting and pushing with my legs. I get off, my legs feel really weird. But then when I go on the treadmill the next day, I feel fine. I've still got my treadmill muscles, my running muscles. So that's the last tip from me. Wow, I'm tired. Time to enjoy this campfire and some quiet. Hey, you guys, I hope you uh, enjoyed your little adventure with us on Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. We'll see you next week. Follow me on Facebook. 
Twitter, and Instagram, or visit me at lawrencegunther.com to keep up to date on my blogs and videos. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. We're dropping new episodes every Friday, folks. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments on your podcast provider's site so other people will learn about our new show. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions on email at feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at AMI-audio. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel-Majid, Sam Robinson, and Paula Deneen. They're my technicians. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.